Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Welcome to another episode of the Text Driven Podcast, where we are in the middle of a very important series through Oswald Sanders' book, Spiritual Leadership. In the previous episode, I introduced the topic of leadership, why it's needed today, and how one becomes a leader. And we specifically looked at uh, the topic of authority for God is the ultimate authority over all things and any authority that man possesses is because it has been given by God and we talked about the different areas in which God gives authority for first he gives authority in the area of uh, just the earth in general for God has given to mankind authority over all all creation. That's what Genesis 1 teaches us. And then we looked at how God had given authority in the home to husbands and how it is a husband's responsibility to lead his wife spiritually. And then we looked at how also in the home, God has given authority to parents to teach and to train their children to love God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength. Another area in which God has given authority is to government. For government has the responsibility to care for its citizens. And that mandate to care for its citizens is a mandate that has been given by God. And then the third area in which God has given authority is within the church. For God has given authority to pastors to teach the congregation, the word of God, and to shepherd the congregation faithfully so that when he gives an account for their soul, he can give a good report. So those are the three broad areas in which God has adjudicated authority to mankind. The first, the home, the second, government, and the third, the church. In this episode, we're going to begin looking at chapter one of Sanders' book, Spiritual Leadership. I want to begin by asking a question. Should you strive to be a leader? Should that be something you seek after? I want to read two passages of scripture to you that might seem contradictory. But hopefully, by the end of this episode, we've been able to reconcile those two passages. The first is going to come in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Listen to what God's Word says. The saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Notice what the passage says. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, 
He's doing a good thing. He's doing a noble thing, a virtuous thing. It would seem to indicate that the text is saying that aspiring to leadership position in the church is something of virtue. And then we read what Jeremiah 45 verse 5 says. Do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. For behold, I am bringing disaster upon all flesh, declares the Lord, but I will give you your life as a prize of war in all places to which you may go. Look at that question and answer again. Should you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. How can 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 encourage men to aspire to a leadership office in the church? And Jeremiah 45, 5 say, do not seek great things for yourself. Can we reconcile those two things? Well, let's see what Sanders has to say. On page 13, at the top of the page, Sanders says this, the Apostle Paul urges us to the work of leading within the church, the most important work in the world. When our motives are right, this work pays eternal dividends. In Paul's day, only a deep love for Christ and a genuine concern for the church could motivate people to lead. Well, why would he make that statement? Because notice how when we think of leadership, we often think of it in terms of prestige, societal accolades, rising to the top of the ladder. It's a place where we think all eyes praise you. It's a place where we think that that is where significance in the world's eyes are seen. Well, it was quite different in Paul's day because in the first century, if you were a pastor, it was likely you were going to be killed. For being a Christian was not well liked by the Jewish religious people and even the Romans, for both saw Christianity as a threat to their own existence. And if either were to find out that you were a pastor, that you were the leader of a local congregation, it was most certainly going to be your death wish. Now, notice what that does to our definition of leadership. We typically think of leaders as being the most prestigious. But for Paul, leadership, and in that first century, leadership would have meant a sure death. I wonder if leadership has less to do with being at the top and more to do with seeing yourself at the bottom. You know, Jesus had something to say along that same lines when in the Gospels it describes him as saying this, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. You see, leadership is not as much about uh, receiving as it is giving of yourself. Sanders goes on to say that desiring to excel is not inherently a sin. Desiring to be a leader is, is not sinful. It is the motivation that determines the ambition's character. For our Lord never taught against the urge for high achievement, but he did expose and condemn unworthy motivation. Why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want to be at the top? Is it because you want people to fear you? Is it because you have an inflated view of yourself? If those are the motivating elements for why you want to be a leader, then you do not have a biblical text-driven understanding of leadership. I draw your attention to what the Bible says about Jesus. Certainly, we would say that Jesus was the perfect leader, for there's nothing that Jesus did that could not be described in the term perfection. And notice what the Bible says about Jesus. We should have this mind among ourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We see that the leadership of Jesus was one done through lowering himself instead of raising himself up. Ambition, which centers on the glory of God and the welfare of the church, is a mighty force for good. So, I want to encourage you, be ambitious, but do so for the glory of God. Do so for the good of his people and the church. So what does it mean to be a great? What does it mean to be a great leader? If we're to aspire to leadership, if we're to strive for great things, but we're to do so with a pure heart, well, we have to define then what is greatness? Because if we misdefine greatness, I think our motivation will be wrong. Thus, our ambition will be wrong. And thus, all of our pursuit for leadership will be a course towards sin. Listen to what Sanders says on page 14. True greatness. True leadership is found in giving yourself in service to others, not in coaxing or inducing others to serve you. True service is never without cost. Often it comes with a bitter cup of challenges and a painful baptism of suffering. For genuine godly leadership, 
weighs carefully Jesus' question in Mark 10, 38. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? The real spiritual leader is focused on the service he and she can render to God and other people, not on the residuals or the perks of a high office or a holy title. We must aim to put more into life than we take out of it. What's he saying there? In the passage that he quotes of Jesus in Mark 10, he's saying that can you be the kind of leader Jesus was? For Jesus was such a great leader that he washed the feet of his disciples. Jesus was such a great leader that he laid down his life for us. Jesus was such a great leader that he did not come to do his own work, but he came to do the work of the Father. In some sense, you could say this, Jesus was a great leader because he followed the Father's will. Might be what true greatness and leadership is all about. Not as much about being in the front as it is following God. Count Nicholas von Zizendorf from the 1700s to 1760s when he lived, he said this, listen to this incredible quote. I have one passion. It is he, he alone. You see, Count Nicholas von Zizendorf, his... Ambition, his aspiration, his motivation, his desire, his passion was for God and God alone. And therein lies what biblical leadership is all about. Listen to this final quotation on bottom of page 15. Because we children of Adam want to become great, he, Jesus, became small. Because we will not stoop, he, Jesus, humbled himself. Because we want to rule, he came to serve. My friend, we need to be like Jesus if we're going to be spiritual text-driven leaders. We need to become small. We need to become humble. And we need to serve for the glory of God. I want to leave you with some questions to think about. The first question I want you to dwell on is what are the differences between self-centered leadership, and God-centered leadership. Second question, what are some areas of honorable, biblical 
holy ambition in your life. Dear friend, let's strive to be text-driven spiritual leaders. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, visit our website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. If you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, I'd love for you to join us on the Lord's Day for one of our worship services. You can find the times and locations for those services on our website as well. Until next episode, know that we're praying for you, and we hope that you live a text-driven life. God bless.